Hello everyone, it's Lauren Ash. Hey y'all, Zakia Najiba. Welcome to the Black Girl Known Podcast. We promote holistic wellness and inner beauty for women of color. We also encourage self-care and self-love for our communities. In a nutshell, we create space for women of color to breathe easy. Thanks for listening. Womanist is to feminist as purple is to lavender. Alice Walker. Womanist. From womanish, frivolous, irresponsible, not serious, a black feminist or feminist of color. From the black folk expression of mothers to female children. Quote unquote, you act a womanish. <laughs> like a woman. Usually referring to outrageous, audacious, courageous, or willful behavior. Wanting to know more in a greater depth than is considered good for one. Acting grown up, being grown up, interchangeable with another black folk expression. You trying to be grown. Responsible, in charge, and serious. Committed to the survival and wholeness of the entire people, male and female. Not a separatist except periodically for health. So today we're diving in on a really, really important conversation. Takia, do you want to share more about it? Yeah, so today we'll be sharing a little bit um, about the philosophies behind the inspiration for Black Girl and Ohm. So really talking about, you know, women who have inspired the work that we do and that inspired the work that we would love to do more of while we're here. Um, we'll also be talking a little bit more about the exclusivity of Black Girl and Ohm and what that entails, um, because I think there's a particular type of conversation around that um, in regards to Black women and women of color that more folks should be engaging with. So okay. I'm actually really excited about this conversation. Me too. <laughs> and we just have two particular people to thank for inspiring us to do this podcast. One, Bradley A. Murray of Square 56 and Autumn of Sir and Madam, um, two creatives here in Chicago who have recently joined forces to uh, create this amazing new project called The Collaboration Theory. Hopefully by the time this episode is out, we'll also be able to share the short video that we did in which they invited us to have this conversation about exclusivity as it relates to Black Girl and our work. And Zakia and I just left that afternoon just really thinking more deeply around what we do. Because sometimes when you're in it all the time and you're just doing it, you kind of like focus on the to-dos and the projects and like right. we have so much going on that coming back to like the purpose and the the kind of rootedness of what our work is all Gotta about. Gotta get back to that root. Exactly. Gotta get back to that ground. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you, you too. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I mean, initially when we were proposed to answer that question about exclusivity, a lot of things were going through my head. So like I thought about Black Girl and Ohm and I also thought about the way that Black Girl and Ohm or projects similar to Black Girl and Ohm may be perceived from a different lens. So thinking of exclusivity sort of like in this negative way where people almost feel offended or they feel um, not included, especially folks who don't identify as black women or women of color. Yeah. So last July, there was a feature on me and on Black Girl and Ohm more broadly by Ashley Weatherford in the New York Magazine. Um, it was titled The Startup That's Driving Black Women to Yoga. And in it, she just featured Black Girl and Ohm and the movement that 
um, it related to, which is just in general, more women of color, obviously, um, creating more intentional spaces for themselves to come together and practice wellness and self-care. Um, so I, you know, this was like kind of the first big feature on Black Girl in Ohm. And of course, I was scrolling through the comment section and I noticed that there was a woman who at least in her photo, she appeared to be white presenting woman. And she just went pretty much against everything that was being highlighted in the article and the Q&A between myself and Ashley, uh, which, you know, the whole conversation is about black girl no more broadly and the demographic of black girl no attendees being women of color and um, just the need for creating intentional, culturally specific spaces to be able to explore wellness, our own experiences, culturally and otherwise. And uh, this woman essentially just shared that, you know, that was pretty much going against yoga and that we just needed to all practice together. And she felt sorry for me and all of this stuff. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, at the end of the day, I think while it it irked me at the end of the day, I just realized, as I still do now, that there are just many people in the, in this world who don't value and don't see at all the necessity for what it is that we're doing. And that's OK. But I hope that today we can kind of talk a little bit more about the value, the enormous value of what we're doing, because we know that those who are engaged with us um, in our events and in our online communities and spaces know that as well. And um, there is a need. There is absolutely a need for having our own spaces to connect. Um, and um, at, the same, at the same time, there's also a value in connecting with everyone in wellness. But I think in particular, there's an enormous value in sharing space amongst, amongst ourselves. Right. And I think that goes back to, at least in my opinion or with my personal experience, what it means to be an ally of our community. You may not be a black woman or a woman of color, but if you have that awareness and acknowledging that these spaces need to be formed, these spaces need to be created by us for us. Right. Then, of course, by all means, like support us. Um, And so when I hear comments like that, it just makes you realize how jaded a lot of people are by their own privilege. Um, because like, how could you not realize that this is a necessity for women of color and black women when wellness is oftentimes not considered for us or we're left out of the paradigm or left out of the conversation. Therefore, we have to create our own and <laughs> absolutely like, and like you said, like there's value in creating spaces for us by us because there's value in ourselves. Right. Exactly. You know? And, um, I think when we think too about different examples in history and different folk who have come before us who have provided really strong and, assured examples of the value in creating spaces. I think we can think of the Kombahi River Collective, um, which it's crazy now. We're in 2016 now, and these women organized in um, 1970, and they were really coming together um, in response to mainstream feminism, which was mm -hmm. at, the t at that time still very white. Um, and also they were responding to um, kind of more 
masculine oriented black freedom struggles, which didn't really embrace or praise the leadership and and actions of black women. And so these women, in a sense, um, articulated the first um, strong statement that acknowledged the importance of intersectionality. So the intersection of all of these different isms that impact black women in particular. So racism, sexism, classism, the list goes on and said that, okay, well, the white feminists aren't really getting it right. (laughs) The black men are trying to fight racism, but they're not quite getting it right. So how can we come together and articulate our own, um, our own statement of what it is that we need in this world and also then carve out our own space to be able to support one another in love. And um, it was a very political statement, but it's also at the end of the day, just like <laughs> what, what everyone would want as a human being, right? To be like affirmed, to be accepted, to be able to like be freely yourself rather than entering into someone else's space, realizing that there's really not there's really not a space um, in someone else's space for you to be completely yourself and for you to be mm-hmm. able to articulate your own kind of vision of who you want to be. Right. <laughs> and I agree with that. And, you know, and it's also very intersectional as well because you have like these women who didn't confine themselves to any sort of like gender normativity. And there were women who like, crossed all sorts of like um class barriers as well so it was very intersectional in the sense that you have these group of black women who are coming together and being very unapologetic about being black women about being black and also you know affirming themselves through their sexual orientation as well absolutely Um, and for them to have done that at the time that they did it I feel was very prolific and so now you have you know today a lot of black women who look towards that statement and look towards those philosophies as something to like take value from um and I just also love the Kumbai River Collective because it was inspired by an action by Harriet Tubman and oftentimes when we speak about the narrative of womenism or feminism Harriet Tubman gets left out of the conversation. And she was like one of the baddest women, like I think in history. Literally. Like she carried two pistols. She was not playing around about her freedom. Yeah. Like it was literally life or death. Like if you didn't want to leave with her, right. she would put a gun to your head. She was like, no, you come in a freedom. Right. Like, and it's, she, there's had, no option. she also had like physical, physical, um, I don't want to say disabilities, but physical challenges mm-hmm. that she didn't let get in the way of... Right freedom ultimately and ensuring that as many enslaved Africans also were able to secure their freedom as well. Exactly. So yeah, we need to think about her any day that we want to complain about something (laughs) for real. No, it's serious. It's serious. Um, yeah. And I just want to share like one or two excerpts from the actual Kumbahi river statement that was, that was articulated. Um, that two of which I think very much relate to what we're doing with black girl gnome. Our politics initially sprang from the shared belief that black women are inherently valuable, that our liberation is a necessity, not as an adjunct to somebody else's, but because of our need as human persons for autonomy. There it is. 
I love that statement. I love that statement. Not as an adjunct to somebody else's. And the other statement that I think resonates very strongly for me is we realize that the only people who care enough about us to work consistently for our liberation are us. Our politics evolve from a healthy love for ourselves, our sisters, and our community, which allows us to continue our struggle and work. Really, really powerful statements that articulated in the 70s still very much ring true right now. Right. So what other examples of like women are there right now that are kind of paralleling the work that we're doing or that we seek to do? I don't know right now, but like as we were reading that, I was just like thinking about the formation of like this identification between womanism and feminism and why you've had a lot of black women like break away from the term feminism and Mm -hmm. move towards using like um, womanist terms. And it relates back to that because feminism excluded a lot of black women and and more so like working class black women, like poor black women. Right. Um, And, you know, when Alice Walker mentioned the term womanism, I feel like it was sort of a more collective and encompassing way to deal with socio-political issues and sexist issues that a lot of black women were dealing with um, in communities. Um, And so that's what I'm really thinking of right now. And yeah, I think we should read that (laughs) for anyone who's listening, who hasn't read that definition. I think that would be super relevant. And it was actually in a book um, she wrote called In Search of Our Mother's Gardens in 1983. And um, one thing that she says uh, that I really love is that um, from womanish, a black feminist or feminist of color, from the black folk expression of mothers to female children, quote unquote, you act in womanish, like a woman, usually referring to outrageous, audacious, courageous or willful behavior. Wanting to know more and in greater depth than is considered good for one. Interested in growing in grown up things, being grown up, interchangeable with another black folk expression. You trying to be grown, responsible, in charge, serious. And I love that she says like uses outrageous, audacious, courageous or willful behavior, because I think that speaks in the spirit of other women, you know, such as what we were just talking about, the Kumbaya River Collective of black women really taking charge of their own political stance, but also like taking charge of their own lives and affirming themselves and validating themselves um, at a time when other people weren't. Right. So, And other people thought that they were. Right. <laughs> but they weren't. And so they created it on their, on their own terms. Um, I think alongside what you shared that Alice Walker said, that uh, that I really appreciate is that she said, womanist is the feminist as purple is to lavender. Mm-hmm. So purple and lavender, to some eyes, might look the same, but they are different, <laughs> <laughs> right? They might right. have, they're rooted in perhaps like similar ideas for liberation, but they're still different because they're coming from a different wellspring. 
Right. Yeah. And so I really like that because, A, I think lavender is a little deeper. (laughs) I just like lavender more, but um, I really appreciate. I mean, obviously, she's a poet as well. And so um, she just articulated that in a really beautiful way. So I can think of a few examples for why it is enormously valuable for us within Black Girl and Elm to be focused on women of color. Um, I remember very early on when uh, I traveled up to Minneapolis, which is where I'm from, and uh, did a couple Black Girl Elm sessions up there. There was a Black Girl Elm session that we did, and it was a really lovely yoga event that I guided and then uh, a friend of mine up in Minneapolis DJed Sarah White shout out to Sarah (laughs) and it was a lovely group of about 20 women of color uh, mostly black women and then women who um, identified as you know either mixed or Latina and it was a really beautiful diverse group and immediately after the session we were all just kind of vibing dancing you know just being silly in the space immediately after the session One of the women had a boyfriend who came to pick her up and he was white. And one of the women in the session came over to me and basically just expressed that she was like really uncomfortable with him being in that space. And I, in that moment, felt a bit conflicted, obviously, because he was clearly trying to just come and pick up his girlfriend. But at the same time, he was entering the space that for the past like two hours we had been very intentionally focusing on the fact that it was like a woman of color centered space. And, and that's a sacred space. Exactly. When we get together. It, it really is. <laughs> it really is. And so, you know, in that moment, I was really grateful that that sister decided to speak up and tell me because, again, that was at the very beginning of Black Girl and Ohm. And so that made me as, you know, the founder of all of this, even think more intentionally around like, all right. You know, there needs to be something communicated to everybody then um, because some folk, you know, especially more than others, who knows, maybe more women also felt uncomfortable, but she was the one who chose to voice it, which is really meaningful for me to receive and then reflect on. Um, Another uh, really, like on a positive note, I guess, (laughs) another really beautiful memory that I have about just the importance of really having and holding our own spaces was the day that we launched the Black Girl and Own publication. I don't remember if you were able to go, but we had a gathering also that day, a new moon goddess gathering at Janice's place. Were you there? There were so many new moon goddess gatherings I don't at remember Janice's. if you were there I don't think not. I was at that one. Because it was like the day that we launched the publication in no. March 2015. Okay, yeah, I don't think, I think you were in school, which it's still amazing to me that you were like a senior in college, which I don't think most folk know, like when we were like starting Black Girl. I was still on that school struggle. (laughs) Yeah, so you were probably studying in the library, but (laughs) I, even though I was exhausted from just like being online all day, like tweaking and fine tuning everything, I decided to go to the goddess gathering and I walked in the room and Erica Badu was playing, there was some incense in the air, um... Obviously, like per usual, Janice's amazing like altar was just like on and popping. You know, she had all those like candles and photos and dried flowers and live flowers and plants. And everyone just had like healthy food out. And it was just like this beautiful, rich, like space of women of color who were there just to like vibe and celebrate the transition from one season into the next and just to encourage and inspire one another. And it's just 
it's just like a magical space when that happens. And um, it's just our own space. And that's really important. I think another example that I think of is when we were in D.C. And I always go back to this, but I feel like the moment we had in D.C. with that room full of women, it, women is something that I feel like we didn't necessarily have here in Chicago because it was just a different group of women. Right. And um, and it was like in that space, there were women who spoke up about traumatic experiences and things they have gone through that they've never voiced before. And I really think that spoke to the power of what it means to have a group of women in a room. You have women of color and black women who have these like very deep shared experiences. And the fact that there was like space open for these women to like reach out and talk about those things was like really powerful. I mean, you had a woman who spoke up about her distant relationship with her father and how that affected her throughout her life. You had women who opened up about their mental health or just not feeling affirmed or valued as a black woman. And to have those like really like visceral testimonies about how being in that space allow them to open up with these stories for like the first time I thought was just like really, really powerful. And even when we were sharing our individual stories and narratives, um, alongside Alex L and it was me and you like even those moments were just like very 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 profound for me because Mm -hmm. I think that oftentimes you don't have a lot of women who come together from different backgrounds from different spaces whether it's like um sexual identity like gender identity um also like class wise and I think that in that one room you had like so such a diverse group of women who were able to share space in a way that was positive and beautiful and I think we also learned a lot about ourselves in that moment and I think it's really powerful when you can, you know, open yourself up and be vulnerable in a space with other women who have this like shared experience with you. I think that's really transformative. You know, you learn a lot about what people really need in that moment and what people value. And you also learn a lot about yourself as well and what you need and what you value and why being in those spaces in a way is so powerful and you know like and it's amazing and you know I just always think sometimes I'm like I wonder how many women like left that space and transformed like so many things about their life one woman was like I'm gonna change my eating like I'm going to do this when Mm -hmm. I do this one woman was like I'm gonna finally reach out to this person that like traumatized me or that hurt me Mm -hmm. and I think those are like the breakthrough moments that like really I think affirm and validate the power of creating these spaces. And that also speaks to exclusivity because, you know, these shared experiences that black women go through and these sort of like depths of oppression that we often experience more so than other groups, I think brings us together in a way that creates these really um, beautiful moments or that just creates, you know, beautiful forms of expression of altering space, creating space and that is probably and that and that's what I always think about. And I always think about, you know, 
how can more people build or create spaces to get those results or to get those sorts of um, responses? Right. No, and I think I absolutely feel and still very much appreciate that event in D.C. because as you were hinting at, that was kind of our first dialogue-oriented event mm-hmm. that we were doing outside of our hometown of Chicago. Right. So essentially, we were all strangers, but we had right. this feeling <laughs> of like sisterhood and familiarity, mm-hmm. and additionally vulnerability. Right. Because as you mentioned, so many women were just speaking about things that they even admitted they had never shared with anybody before. But because of the fact that we did make it this exclusive space for women of color and put that out there as like that being the defining kind of characteristic of it and us embracing that characteristic, that's what gave everyone permission to share so freely. And um, yeah, it was a very powerful night. And I think that if, you know, we just had decided to go the route, which I don't, I don't even think this was an option for me, but decided to go the route of making this just a girl in own brand, just everybody and everyone like it just wouldn't have that same power, you know, for obvious reasons, like because of what we deal with both on a smaller, but still very important microaggressions, microaggressions from just unfortunately a lot of white people, white women in particular, um, a lot of the times and just on a larger scale, institutionalized racism and the intersections, obviously sexism, classism that we experience um, that doesn't encourage us to speak up as freely or to speak up as vulnerability or as vulner as vulnerably or feel as open to share with just a general group of people with everybody there, because who knows what that's going to be met with when we do so. Right. So, and that also speaks to specificity, which is what we talked about in our um, collaboration theory filming was speaking to sort of the purpose that specificity lends to a certain group of people and why it's important to facilitate in community with people that have this shared experience and also thinking of ways that these things are transformative, but also very, very needed and why they are a necessity. Right. Um, And so, yeah, those are sort of like the threads that are like always running through my mind when I'm engaging with this type of work. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, I think that today's conversation focusing on exclusivity, focusing on the power of creating and holding safe spaces for ourselves, ourselves being women of color, by women of color, for women of color, and being unapologetic in all of that. This is a conversation that we want to invite all of you to, to continue with us. So, you know, tweet us, Black Girl and Ohm, um, on Twitter you can comment on Instagram. You can send us directly your thoughts, info at Um, We also welcome you to just simply comment on our webpage, blackgirlnome.com slash podcast. But I think that what we shared today um, might make some people uncomfortable, but that's cool because we know why we're doing this. I know why I'm doing it. I, <laughs> I know, you know why, why I'm doing, doing it, it and I'm unapologetic <laughs> about it. But <laughs> also, if you all know of any, you know, folks, women of color, black women, who are engaging with work um, along these lines or engaging with work around womanism or feminism, 
please shout them out, send us recommendations. We might have them on the show. I or, love that you mentioned that, yeah. Takia, because I think we see this a lot. Women, Some women think that what we're doing, it, we're, the, we're the only ones doing it. And I think that while mm-hmm. Black Girl Loma is unique in a lot of ways, we are continuing work that's been being done for decades, right. generations. And so it's important that we share our knowledge of individuals and groups that are doing this work because it's important and don't think that just because we're in Chicago, like you can't be engaged, like start your own circles, start your own <laughs> communities, start self-care Sunday, like start a women's own, a women of color focus and oriented something like you have that power to do that. And I guarantee you there's another woman of color around the block from you who wishes you started it and she'll show up. Right. So get it popping. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, Equal parts important and it can be heavy, but it's also uplifting and fun. Like it's it all is. of those things. It's a beautiful um, kind of like kaleidoscope of of, uh, of different things, but it's at the end of the day very, very important. This has been a production of Post Loudness, a collective of independent audio shows by people of color, women, and queer identified hosts. Editing, mixing, and producing provided by James T. Green and Taz Callaher. Music and sounds provided by Kali B. and Peter Espenson. Thanks for tuning in to the Black Girl Known Podcast. Please find us on iTunes and Google Music. Search in podcasts. And also please leave a review along with a comment or two. That's how people find us. And I'm sure you want the world to know just how much you love our show. If you enjoy our show, you should also check out High Water. It is a podcast by Shaka Reeves who speaks about creatives and creative subjects with other creatives. She recently featured one of our friends that we mention quite often on this show, Janice Bond, and it's an amazing conversation. So please tune in and also leave a review for her. Post loudness. Audio.